So here we are, the third episode of our monthly podcast with Maurice. Maurice, hello. Hi. We're here in Big Sky, Montana for the 22nd Rural Lisk Annual Seminar. How are you liking Montana so far, Maurice? It's beautiful. It is a stunning and a fitting place for us to be gathering and discussing things rural and bringing people together who are working in rural America. This this uh, backdrop with the uh, with the mountains and the national park, and uh, as we were driving from Bozeman, you could see people literally out in the stream fishing. It it highlights, magical, the, yeah. Yeah, highlights the assets of rural America. Good stuff. Great. Well, before we we get into the discussion, I did want to take a moment to just acknowledge. Uh, the floods and the situation in Houston, which has been pretty harrowing for the past few days and continues to be so. I, I know Amanda's been keeping us updated. I don't know, Maurice, if you've had a chance to to talk to her directly or, or if you have any any words you wanted to say there. Yeah, our, our thoughts and prayers are with Texas, They're with our offices in Houston and in San Antonio. Houston, by far, is the one being affected the most. Uh, the good news is that all of our people are safe and sound. Uh, some of them, or at least one of them uh, today, has to help family members evacuate mm-hmm. uh, from from a home. But I think everybody, and, and some people have some water, but everybody uh, is in a, a good place right now, and they're safe. There's more to come, so there's still more to contend with, but... We are in a good place, and we are preparing the office to help Houston and the state rebound from this. And my suspicion is the rebound will not be a short one. It will be years in the making. So uh, we'll have to adjust what we were planning to do mm-hmm. via our Houston office. Yeah. Well, again, uh, thoughts and prayers out to Amanda, the entire Houston team, and yep. really the entire community there. Yep. We're, we're here and standing ready to plug in and assist however we can when the time comes. Yep. So. Um, so back to Montana, the rural seminar. So we're, we're here. This is the 22nd annual seminar, the first one I've ever been to, so it's pretty, pretty cool, first time in Montana. Um, so, Maurice, I thought it would be good to just start with hearing a little bit about your vision for for rural LISC. Um, I, you know, it seems like it's been sort of a, a separate or part of LISC, but a separate entity somewhat. And, and, and how do you envision things coming together moving forward? Yeah, I think probably the highlight for me is the notion that we have a LISC and a rural LISC and a new markets and a uh, LIDTECH or NEF uh, entity is part of what we have to overcome, uh, if you will. The bottom line is that we need to be leveraging all of the assets within the LISC family to be of service to rural America, to be of service to people in rural America. There are 71 million folks living and raising families and working and recreating in the rural parts of our country. These 71 million people need to have the highest opportunity climate on which to do all these things possible. We can help in that. 
Uh, we can certainly help through the entity that we're calling Ruralisk. But mm-hmm. the big opportunity for us is to make sure that all of our toolbox is being used for the benefit of an area of the country that has to be excellent if the country is going to be excellent. And so can you talk a little bit more about that? What parts of the toolbox, is that like a, a lending lending goals that we would have in mind specifically for rural America? What do you see that looking like? So first and foremost, what we do really well is find strategic partners in the places where we want to work. We need to do that in rural America as well. So we need to be looking for community-based groups. Uh, we need to be looking for political entities, quasi-political entities, the corporate sector, the philanthropic sector, a coalition of the willing with respect to rural America. We need to be building that, and it needs to be larger than it is now. Okay. And quasi-political? So, what is Quasi-political would be entities that have a foot, if you will, in both the political sphere as well as the private sectors. So um, housing development authorities, economic development authorities, they are hybrids, Mm -hmm. right? They usually have something political about them as well as uh, something private sector, right? They may okay. be a five hundred one c three, but their board may be appointed by the governor of a particular Got state. It. That's what I mean. Okay. Um, or they may have the ability to issue bonds that at least have the appearance of being backed by the fiscal health of the state in which they operate. So we need to build more partnerships. We need to build a bigger coalition for work in rural America. And then we need to make sure that we are um, conducting or orchestrating our assets in a way that can be most impactful in the rural part. So there are opportunities for us in rural America that include, yes, our lending, but also include new markets, also include NEF, uh, also include... Uh, some of the small business lending that we're trying to do via our new markets affiliate. We need to be able to uh, make sure we're bringing those to the table as a portfolio of tools Mm -hmm. uh, to go to work. And then the last thing uh, that I would say is just like in the urban areas where we work, one of our main jobs is to build the capacity of people and entities to get projects done in rural America. Right. That usually takes Section 4 philanthropic resources, private sector resources, uh, a local office plus national. Uh, it might include health and safety. It might... All of these things. So every part of LISC needs to care about rural America, not just rural risk. Right. That's the point. Okay. Right? That's the point to be made for us. That's the opportunity for us to step into. That's the invitation for us to accept for every part of LISC to be considered rural risk. So it becomes 
like any, like what you've been saying about all the national programs, the integrated approach yes. that's part of one list Absolutely. is bringing all yep. of the. It is, we have an incredible orchestra. We have to make sure that every section of the orchestra is working in every community where we're trying to have impact. Not just the trumpets, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? We, not, we need to have every voice working, and that's how we are most impactful. That is also how we can distinguish ourselves. Very few entities can bring to the table the diversity of tools that we have. Have you, in, so I have a couple questions, follow up. What are some of the the key opportunities you've seen since you've now been starting to travel around to different rural sites as well, where you you see that we could start to pretty quickly bring a lot of those tools to bear for a certain project or um, or community? So rural America, like urban America, has incredible infrastructure opportunities. Uh, Water, sewer natural gas, broadband in particular. Okay. Broadband is a place that will require us to use several tools to truly have impact. One, finding new partners to work with. Mm -hmm. And two, finding a way for our lending and our grant making and our new markets, tax credits, pieces, and others to work together to get infrastructure um, laid or infrastructure constructed or even if it's satellite infrastructure uh, that's completed that can help us get broadband uh, into these places. That is definitely a place where we will have to bring everything to the table. Housing is another... So rural America is this incredible opportunity for us to do both single-family and Mm multifamily. There are very few places that are as inviting to do both. You have to do single-family in rural America. Because? Because you have a situation where people live, uh, relatively speaking, at quite some distance from one another. Okay. And so you are building houses in rural America, right? People are on a road that is 10, 12, 15, 25 miles in length, and they're living along that. That's a lot of single family. Mm -hmm. There's multifamily opportunity as well, but you have to have both. So here's a place where, again, our housing team Uh, At the national and our local levels, our uh, work that we can do around the uh, tax credits for LIHTC and our lending for single family, which we frankly need to up our game on, can come to play. And so the ability to do housing that's both uh, multifamily and single family, uh, few places offer as many opportunities as what we're doing in the rural pieces. And then the last thing is the talent development piece, mm-hmm. right? Talent development in rural America is it is quintessentially important, just as important as it is in urban America, and just as big an opportunity. If we can help talent get prepared, 
we can attract employers to these places. Well, and that, that's one area I wanted to follow up on because we talked about workforce development in our last podcast and how that was key in your motivation for bringing the intensified focus on economic development generally to one LESC. So what is the approach for rural America with workforce development? Is that, you know, is that our, our FOCs? Do we have to have more uh, specific techniques for this, this context? Yeah. So again, I think First and foremost, we've got to find the partners to work with. Uh, In rural America, community colleges are going to be amongst our key partners in the talent development uh, arena. And the answer is, to your question, yes, the FOC model is also going to be, for us, a strategy to use for Um, talent development. Now, the FOC model in rural America may look different. You know, we are exploring a mobile FOC uh, where we use technology uh, to do a lot of the things that we do face-to-face in urban uh, urban America. I think it's going to be a little bit of both, both mobile and both uh, face-to-face. But it's the same um, ultimate aspiration, which is we got to get people on a road to achieving credentials that jobs, or I should say that employers are desiring, mm-hmm. right? So at the end of the day, the outcome that we want for the talent in rural America is the same as what we want for those in urban America. Get credentials that the market pays for, pays a livable wage for. We will have to deploy digital strategies. We will have to find the right partners. And again, I think it's public and private sector. But it's ultimately a strategy that invests in all of the things we're investing in in urban talent as well. Great. Well, I definitely think we want to follow up in a later episode okay. on some of the technology Happy pieces because broadband, new to me, so I'd love to hear more about that. Um, and, and I guess just to close out, for example, I've lived in cities my entire life. So, you know, if you want to, anybody who's listening wants to get smarter on rural America, what the opportunities are there, what the culture is in rural, do you have recommendations of, uh, you know, books that are particularly hmm. instructive or what's, what's the next step? Well, I would say a couple of things. Um, most, this is usually, well, The USDA would be an incredible resource for folks to uh, get a sense of what the opportunities and the challenges are confronting rural Americans. So I would commend anyone to go to their their website. Okay. But the other thing that I would uh, tell folks to do is in every state practically, there is a... uh, cabinet officer or cabinet department that covers it's usually agriculture but agriculture gets translated as rural Mm -hmm. you can find a wealth of resources on that particular state's uh, rural areas via those kinds of places Okay, and so I would commend people there the other thing is a huge resource are the land-grant state institutions of higher education around the country. Uh, most of them were set up with a mission that they had to serve 
urban and rural. So, for example, in Virginia, one of the great resources to learn about what's going on in rural uh, Virginia is Virginia Tech. Mm. They have a They're huge, doing the research. And- they're doing the research. They have a huge department of agriculture and forestry. Those places around the country uh, are are great resources for folks. The bottom line is actually there is no paucity of data. Mm-hmm. There's data on rural America out there. What we have to do is to prioritize people in rural America in the same way that we prioritize people in urban America. We've got to realize that for the country to be great, we got to make sure that the 71 million people in the rural parts of our country are positioned to add the value that they can add. Great. I think that's a pretty good note to end on there. Great. Uh, well, thank you so much, Maurice. Thanks for taking time out of your rural sure. seminar experience. Good and stuff. Uh, we'll continue on. All right. See you next time. Thanks. Thank you.